Welcome back to the Road to the Olympics podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Scullion, or if you're new to this channel, I'm an Irish marathon runner. I run 209 for the marathon and recently competed at the Tokyo Olympics, albeit not very well. But I guess that was the whole purpose to start this podcast. I go through the good parts, the ugly parts, and everything in between. How I've struggled with mental health, how running's really helped me get back to you know, the highs of life, the happy parts of life. And I hope you can gain something insightful out of today's episode. Hey guys, so hope everybody's doing well and um, I guess apologies for lack of podcasting and I'm just closing my bedroom door yeah look it's it's been quite a while since I've uploaded a podcast and it's not like well I suppose I had the well no actually there hasn't really been any reason for that um maybe I was a bit not like tired coming off com games, but like it was it was certainly quite frustrating. Um first of all I'm gonna say one thing, which is as runners we always think often that we're better prepared than we actually are. So I mean you have to you have to hope for the best. Um I think one of the things I was guilty of is um being probably very short-sighted about you know call it like marathon fitness and so maybe maybe I was gaining confidence from um the wrong kind of sessions so you know looking back now that like a good amount of time has passed it's easy to see that some of the stuff that was going really well like you know my track stuff and um although it plays a role in marathon training it's not it's not really the day that you should be looking at to you know give you confidence or perhaps um yeah like be the day that suggests you're going to go and run really fast and i i think that's maybe what I was guilty of. Maybe I was guilty of sort of looking at the wrong um days as as the as the days that were gonna, you know, give me hope and, and make me think, oh I'm in a real good place. And that's the interesting thing. I was in a really good place, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're in a really good place to race this specific event that you're about to go race, you know? Um as a very very ridiculous example um you could you could go to a track and you could run 10 times a mile and you could run it faster than you've ever ran it before let's say even by quite a long way but if you're then flying a few days later to you know France to run the UTMB 100 mile race <laughs> you know does it really matter what you can run 10 times a mile in at your you know local track because 
first of all, your local track is flat and um, perfect and sea level and all these things, and not to mention the fact that it's only 10 miles and this race is going to be 100 miles. And so that's probably, in a nutshell, where I'm kind of going to go with that. Another... Um, I think I made it quite clear that I didn't feel good on race day. Um, that's that's kind of that doesn't help fitness. So if you're not feeling good, it really doesn't help fitness. And if anybody follows me on social media, I actually can't rate this highly enough. Is probably what I'm gonna say. Um, two things I probably can't rate high enough is practicing. Practicing fueling for a marathon during training. Um, so I've been using more 10 and I think I got a bit arrogant, you could say, and sort of thought that I had that covered. So I used to kind of just neglect that sort of like practice of fueling, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've kind of gone back to basics really well. And then. I also started working with, and I, and I have worked with these guys before, but, you know, I actually had, you know, bought it myself, and it's called Super Sapiens, and if anyone has seen me post a little bit, it's like Super Sapiens, um, it's like a live glucose tracker, and really what got me curious and, and really looking into this was, um, this is so ridiculous, and I'm actually quite probably upset with myself a little bit about this but like you know what can you do like it's been and gone and it's over now and you guys are gonna be like you know how often are you gonna fucking do stupid things Stephen? but um basically when i was training up in st moritz we we were there with a with a physiologist and the way physiology works um for most people and probably for me too um if you if you skip breakfast and you you fast, which is, I think I probably spoke about this numerous times on the podcast. It's what I it's what I always do. I always skip breakfast and then I do my warm up and then I have a gel. So sometimes when I was doing some training in, um, you know Saint Moritz, like I'm I'm not saying I was bragging about my lactate, like I wasn't at all. But if it was like a marathon session and, you know, my lactate was like two, you know, I was I was really quite excited about that. Um, and then and the physiologist wasn't wrong. You know, there was there was there was probably a couple of comments that could have been like jokes or like honest feedback that, you know, it was difficult for. um people to appreciate that because I've like done the whole fasted thing for so long that whether or not I have breakfast it doesn't affect certainly from my experience it doesn't affect my ability to produce lactate and the reason I know that for a fact is because I can fast do my warm-up have a gel train and keep my lactate at, let's say, between two and three, if that's the goal, or under two, if that's the goal. But I can also do the exact same warm-up, you know, fast, 
doing my warm up. And what I'm talking about fasting is just like not eating from bedtime until um, like the session, you know, so obviously doing the session without breakfast, basically just breakfast, not like fast and like proper fasting. Anyway, I've done that on the track plenty of times and my lactate might go up to if I'm pushing really, really hard, it might go up to 11 or 12 sometimes higher 14 15 if i pushed really really hard which probably tells you i was doing the wrong stuff in st moritz if i was hitting you know a lactate above 10 there's just no there's no need for a marathoner to be hitting those sort of lactates in that last six or eight weeks definitely not um so that all said that was the that was the start of probably and I, I wasn't using Super Sapiens in St. Moritz, so I was just going off like feel and, and because I'd practiced before, I, I knew that fasting was something that I like to do. And But where I probably, you know, made errors was letting, letting comments probably get to me. And so I did start practicing sometimes in the evenings, like, little things I could eat that might help. And then when I get to um the com games and I'm sort of like with like the like the team management and like we're all sitting down together and we're sort of talking about race day and you know <laughs> I, I bear in mind this is not me complaining. Every decision that you make surrounding like what you're gonna do on race day is is pretty much your responsibility. And so I obviously say that I'll just meet you guys at the bus because, you know, I, I don't have breakfast. And as you can imagine, people get very concerned about that because it's a marathon. And, and, and I look, I totally, totally appreciate that. Right. It's, it's a marathon. Holy fuck. This guy's not going to have breakfast. Like, is he crazy? The danger for me, because I, because I hadn't yet developed a strategy that that works for me with breakfast, because when I when I use the glucose meter, it's called Super Sapiens, it 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 really didn't matter what I had for breakfast. It just used to throw the my glucose all over the place. And then once the glucose was all over the place, it led to like the glucose going up, the glucose going down, like crashes, all this kind of shit. And and once that sort of like process would start, then I'd, I'd feel really like just sluggish and tired. And that's sort of very common. It's called like, um, it's kind of like hypoglycemia, whereby like your body, it's actually not that that part that like first two hours after eating is just very a very normal thing what what tends to happen with me if i eat breakfast and it's not a strategy that works for me so if i have like a bowl of porridge and a banana which is what i had on the day of like the com games i tend to get these like like my glucose spikes which is normal and then your body releases insulin to to stop your glucose from going any higher and obviously like if you're just 
if you vet that at like six o'clock in the morning, like three hours before your race, your body is basically like you're just sitting around, like you're not doing anything. So your body's like, well, I don't, I don't need to have a high glucose right now. Like I'm, I'm literally like sitting around doing fuck all, like wasting time until I'm going to go warm up. So the body releases insulin, which brings your glucose back down. But then what sort of happens for me is like, it kind of just bounces around all over the place, I suppose you could say. Hold on. So it seems like when I fast, or probably if I just ate protein, my glucose would be really stable. But maybe because I only eat like two meals a day, and I've changed that. So I think because I I wasn't eating enough, my body had kind of lost its ability to deal with like carbs well, I suppose you could say. So basically I'm taking carbs and my body's going, fuck, spike, dump, spike, you know? Whereas if you're a, if you're a consistent and regular eater, like smaller meals, then your body probably won't react the same way. Like so, like so. Basically, I I sort of started figuring it out that once I have breakfast, my body gets really like fragile in terms of it's like glucose and insulin relationship, and so that's why I get these like where I just feel really shit, and so the reason. I think Com Games was fitness was fitness. That's fine, but I was concerned after the Com Games why I wasn't able to push, like get my heart rate up and and really like push. And so I obviously practiced the strategy that I did the day of the Com Games. Once I got the Super Sapiens going again, I was like, hey, like you know, you should practice that and see like what happens. And so I did, and. Basically, yeah, like it created, I said, I, I was doing a long run in, um, I was at my sister's wedding and I was doing a long run in Plymouth, like two hours, 15 minutes and like some marathon effort in there. And basically once, once the glucose went down, like right at this, basically once I started running, like my glucose started like going down, which is what happens when I have breakfast. It basically just didn't come back up and that, that included me fueling every like 5k basically like practice and I, I did exactly what I did the day of the com games and then I walked away from the long run probably quite chuffed with myself that I'd kind of figured out probably what was preventing me from pushing now that's not really linked to fitness fitness is different but I certainly wanted to get to the bottom of why I couldn't push on race day because that's completely different fitness if you're fit and you can push you'll probably run really great if you're not fit but you can push at least you can push but you'll find out fairly quickly that you're not that fit do you know what I mean whereas if you're really fit and you can't push well then that can be frustrating and I was still fit I might not have done like all the marathon stuff in the world that you can do but like I did do seven weeks up a mountain at like 120 mile a week you know like I was still fit but race day didn't feel like that race day felt really shit and so cannot 
rate Super Sapien Sapiens highly enough. I, I, I'm starting. I've been doing work with the team. I've been talking with the team, and um, I, I, I've had help from like the physiologist and the nutritionist on the team who is looking at my data and trying to because no matter what I've done for the first two weeks, um, every single double run that I did, I was getting like this fucking crash, and I'd feel awful. And I'd, some days I'd have to like walk back from the park because I'd be feeling so rubbish because of this like crash. Um, but we're starting to get there. We're getting closer. And so I don't want to, I don't really want to speak too much about what has helped just yet because it's not, it's not completely dialed in. But one thing that does help is, thinking the body the body is not like a car whereby you can't just go to a garage and fill it up with fuel and then expect the the body to use it um at like the slowest rate possible so what i used to do was maybe like 20 minutes before i was going to train is like maybe take a gel that has like 30 grams of carbs. And the first bit of advice was, okay, don't do that. The body can absorb 80 to 90 grams an hour, but that doesn't mean you should take those 80 or 90 grams in the first 10 minutes and then expect the body to just use it for the next hour. Actually, in the ideal world, you'd you'd probably break it down every five minutes. So it would be, you know, if it's 80 grams an hour, you would work out exactly what that is per five or per 10 minutes. Eight grams every 10 minutes. Is it something like that? No, I've got that wrong. It's more than that. Sorry, my throat gets funny when I talk on the old podcast. Um, It would basically be... Six ten minute blocks, twenty divided by six equals probably like two point five, two point eight, something like ten and a bit. I mean, I actually can't be bothered doing the maths anymore because I'm just making a fool of myself now. It's over ten. <laughs> I think it's twelve. Twelve point five. Go for that per ten minutes. Um, so that's what like six every like five minutes, six or seven. Um, that's the first bit of advice. So spread your carbs um, evenly is basically what I've sort of learned really helps. Um, Whereas if you're like me and you were just dumping glucose in, then if your body, for example, if I do my usual, so I do my warm up and then I take my gel with like maybe 15 minutes to go. But, Basically, what I do after I take that gel has a has a big influence on what my glucose will do. So also think of it as your body your body only produces or allows your glucose to be in what's called a performance zone if if you need to perform, and that's like 
psychologically and physically. So when you wear the glucose meter, if you're just lazing around, not really doing anything, you know your glucose will be quite low because it doesn't need to be high. So if you take this gel, let's say 25, 30 grams of carbs in a gel, and then for 15 minutes you're like standing around and you're not doing anything, you'll get the little boost straight away because your body can't cancel that. You know, it, you've taken it within five minutes, you'll probably get this little like boost in glucose, but then your body will probably be like, I don't know, mate, I'm kind of just like standing here. I don't really need this right now. And that's when it releases insulin to store, I think, basically, to store the carbs. And so you have to get your timing right. Whereas if you took the gel like three minutes before the start and then got into a pretty good effort and then your body started to release those carbs from the gel, your body would be like, oh, fuck, we kind of need these because we're like we're like pushing right now. And so as you can see, it's not straightforward. Um, but that's in a nutshell so far what I've learned. It's just 10 minutes before I'm going to start warming up, I start sipping on carbohydrates. But <clears throat> what I do is I, I sip on carbohydrates at the rate of 80 to 90 grams per hour. So, you know, it's really not that much. So by the end of the warm-up, 10 minutes before, 20-minute warm-up, 10 minutes of drills and strides, that's 40 minutes. Really, you're only looking at like 50 to 60 grams of carbs in that length of time. And so it really has to be like a slow sip and not like a... Yeah, like uh, there's no real loading. Like no, it's it's a very gradual preloading, I guess, is what you could say. The next thing I need to trial is actually getting up like three hours before. Why does my throat do this every time I talk? It like, oh, it like closes over, and I feel like I'm gonna choke. Um, so yeah, like the next thing we're gonna practice is getting up out of bed. Um probably like three hours before and um like trialing some breakfast and then you know doing the exact same like 10 minutes before starting to like sip and I'll probably practice that tomorrow with like a bigger session but <clears throat> I'm gonna leave it there just because of my throat but I might resume this a bit later all right so I'm just trying if I have like a bit of chewing gum in my mouth, which might create some like moisture, I suppose, when I'm talking. Um, but yeah, basically training's going well. I'm training pretty hard and um, probably like harder than, yeah, potentially harder and more marathon specific than I've sort of ever done, um, which involves like hard long runs, um, which are probably like long marathony type efforts, like 30 kilometers. Um, but then also like doing more marathon specific sessions. And I think the reason 
I'm like more willing to do that or that it's, I don't know, like working is probably linked to like the ADHD diagnosis. So I think in the past I was always like so eager to either join people or um, easily tempted into doing something that I probably shouldn't do. Whereas lately I've just been able to narrow down and like focus on what I need to do and what I think will like prepare me well. And sometimes that means like taking a few more easier days between sessions. And it's probably another thing I could improve is seeing that like sometimes it's going to take more than two easy days or one easy day that, you know, some of these sessions are really tough. And like I just did like 30K. I mean, it was so bad weather, like it was really raining and and the park was slippy and the gravel was slippy and I basically did like 30k probably around like 510 to 515 per mile um the last few miles because I got so pissed off with like the gravel and the puddles and I just went on the road well like within Bushy Park I found like a like a faster loop I suppose you could say like a more road loop and that brought the pace down to maybe like 505, five minutes. But these are like really tough days. And that's the second one of those I've done. So like I think 30K is like 18 and a half mile, nearly 19 mile. And it takes a lot of patience after a session like that because you have to just know that that was a really good session and it's really going to help the marathon. But if you don't allow enough recovery time, then um, you can basically end up with like niggles or injuries or um, actually just probably like tiredness. And you're only as good as the session you've done. And then if you've allowed enough recovery time to gain the benefits from that session. And so I think like pre-ADHD diagnosis, I'd have always rushed. And been on, even though I knew, I think this, this is what would be frustrating for the people around me. Like, and, and this may, might have nothing to do with ADHD, but I think it's kind of linked. Even though I knew the logic, I knew the right thing to do. So I probably knew I should take like two or three days recovery or maybe more or, you know, maybe bike for a day or two just to let the legs get a bit of recovery. I just didn't have the ability to control my sort of like self-discipline and I justified maybe like, maybe like two days later, my friends would be doing a session on the track and I'd be like, oh yeah, I want a piece of that. Like that almost like FOMO and the session might not even help the next marathon, but I would do it. And not only should I not do a session like that, I actually needed more recovery time. And so a lot of the time when I probably raced in the past, the the race result that you're seeing is a case of me doing my best to control myself and possibly stick to a plan, but not likely. And you're you're getting the best version 
of my probably sloppy decisions in the build-up, as good as I could do it. And sometimes I probably relied more on, like, luck and chance than I did actually being very well prepared. And and why I say that is because, like, I might have just got lucky that, you know, maybe my buddies that I train with, for example, had races or went away for a week. And because they went away for a week, then I stuck to my program. But then once they came back, then, you you know, you had, you probably had sloppy decisions all that next week. And so I'm hoping that with better, being better marathon trained is really going to help. So like those hard 30K runs, um, doing like eight times 2K and, and hitting the, you know, the right lactates and things like this. I think this is really going to help. So the 30K does a good job of making you like mentally tough. And it gets your body physically and mentally like ready for like a big effort. And then the likes of the eight times two K or some people do, you know, six times three K or seven times three K. You can run, you can run those reps at the right pace and that gets your body used to like pace. And so you can kind of combine them both. And then what I try to do is still do like, one session that's like a little bit like over speed so i'm still working a little bit faster but i mean i went to the track like two weeks ago and ran oh it was ridiculous like it was such a good track session like mile in like 426 60 seconds recovery 800 and 208 60 seconds recovery 800 and 200 two minutes and then another minute recovery and then like I think three three hundreds and like forty three forty four and we did that twice. But that's not what I mean by overspeed, because that was actually ridiculous. Like I shouldn't have done that. Overspeed should probably still only be let's say for four hundred meters um probably within about eight seconds of marathon pace over 400 meters. So my marathon pace is about 74 per 400. So I really don't need to be going much quicker than like 66. That's my opinion. You, I definitely don't need to be running 800s in two minutes. And it actually ended up like, it's. I've now had to deal with like calf problems for like 10 days since that. But that was silly. But yeah, things are... Things are better. Also with Super Sapiens, I realized I needed to eat more. I'm, I'm perhaps like, I, I find eating hard work, if I'm honest. And it's nothing to do with like losing weight. I just like, I'm tired after training and like, I don't know. So I'm definitely trying to do that, eat more and like better carbs and stuff so that like my body, cause you can eat the right amount of calories, but perhaps you're not eating the right calories. And so you'll stay the same weight, but you might not be fueling training as best you could. And so I've made some nice little improvements, but I'll talk about that another time because I do want to be careful with my silly throat. But take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye.